This is Walking with Warriors, a nonprofit organization founded by a husband and wife team with a multi-generational family of warriors who have proudly served our nation. This podcast is for all of our military, first responders, their families, and the patriots that support them. Thank you for joining us as we connect, encourage, and strengthen our warriors as iron sharpens iron. We are your hosts, Michael and Bren. Now let's get started. Welcome back to part two with our guest, Mike. In part one, Mike shared with us some of his most memorable experiences from serving in the United States Marine Corps and law enforcement in the state of Florida. He had began to tell us about the next step in his journey of faith and service that began in the days following 9-11, which included a calling that both he and his wife felt to return back to military service, this time as a chaplain in the Army. Let's join back in the conversation as Mike tells us about that transition from the Marine Corps to the Army. Mike, can you tell us about the ultimate decision that led you to the uniform that you wear today? Look, let me just start off with this. <clears throat> Once a Marine, always a Marine. Okay. So, you know, sometimes, you know, when the other branches of service, you know, are not efficient at their job, it takes one Marine to step in and fix it. So I felt that's what I need to do. Was to <laughs> so uh, right now for anybody that's listening to this, they've either wrecked their patrol car as they're so mad at what I said, or they were, uh, they were yelling hoorah or something. I don't know. So <laughs> the transition from Marine to Army had its own, uh, its own interesting role. So obviously I wanted to be a chaplain to the Marines. Well, they don't have chaplains. Those are Navy officers that are chaplains to the Marine Corps. So you ready for this? I, I started out in the Navy reserves as a chaplain candidate, right? So I was, I was uh, an ensign in the Navy and then Lieutenant JG in the Navy while I was finishing up my, uh, my grad work. At the conclusion of the grad work, putting in my packet for active duty as a Navy chaplain to the Marines, uh, the Navy told me that, uh, well, we're going to go put you on a ship. <laughs> we're going to put you on a ship to serve with the Navy. You're not going back with the Marine Corps. Well, I mean, you should not have said that. I mean, I wanted to serve with my, with my Marines, right? And so I said, okay, thank you. And I, I said, I'm a, I'm a guy on the ground. I'm a grunt, so I need to be with those guys on the ground. God has not called me to that side of the Navy. And so Literally, I said, okay, I'm done. I'm going to the Army and finished my short-lived Navy officer reserve career and transitioned over to the Army and became, yes, became an Army officer and, uh, and a chaplain as well. So that's, that's the weird transition. I, you know, my closet back in the day looked like an Army-Navy store. I had my Marine uniforms, my Navy uniforms, and, of course, then the Army yeah, it, it, it was, it's pretty crazy. The only branch I haven't served in is Air Force and Coast Guard, and uh, I don't think they want me, so I'm going to stick to what I got. So went on active duty, you know, in the Army side of the house there, and hey, this was funny. I told the recruiter when I was having the conversation, I thought I was just a real negotiator, right? So I said, I'm going to come on board as, a, as an Army officer, an Army chaplain. I've got one request, and that's the only way I'm going to do this is if you assign me to a combat unit that is getting ready to deploy. <laughs> Are you kidding me? I mean, it's like, so that was, you know, that was the motivation inside my heart and soul was to go be with the, the guys and gals on the ground in the fight. Well, that wasn't a real negotiating tool because they were, it was at a time when 
well, yep, that's exactly where you're going, whether you like it or not. And so with, within two minutes, he was like, okay, done. Negotiation complete. <laughs> Sign here. Fast forward after uh, going to the chaplain school piece, and they signed me straight up to the 82nd Airborne Division. Said, hey, you're going to jump out of planes. I'm like, no problem. Let's do it. So got a sign to the 82nd Airborne Division and was, was over in Iraq within, within six months. Yeah, over there for a 13-month deployment right out of the gate. So that one was my first time on the Army side. And of course, just a completely different combat environment than my first experience, you know, many years before in the Marine Corps. But my time with the 82nd was, was uh, man, it couldn't be more proud, really, to, to have served with the All-American Division. My husband and I have a huge appreciation and respect for our chaplains. I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit more about your personal experience as a chaplain and what that has been like for you. Yeah, so the unique part about being a military chaplain is we deploy right up. We're embedded in our units, and we deploy with them and go through every single thing with them. And I think sometimes civilians, they miss that piece. I'm experiencing those things right along with the troops that I'm with. I was there on patrol with them. Those, <laughs> those conversations come, especially after those hazardous moments, and you're debriefing or reflecting or AARing, whatever you're calling it. You can walk away and have the conversation. We both just went through that together. And they, like, how are you getting through this? And how are you getting through this? And and they knew partly because you're a chaplain, but danger at that level, it sheds everybody, everybody's on the same page when the bullets are coming at you. Everybody's on the same page. And so I can have this nice little Velcro cross on my uniform, but is my life going to now demonstrate that since we're all, we're all hearing those snaps that are flying past our ears right now? You know, is he still a chaplain now? Okay, chaplain, you, you know, you're a big talker back in the rear. So what about now? And so that's when, that's when your faith, it goes from uh, being theory to being practical and, and action. The reason I say that is that, you know, some of those experiences tried my faith as a chaplain. Being real with these guys and gals, you know, especially in the, the community that I've served in recently in special operations, you can't fake the funk. Same thing in law enforcement as well, but you're either real or you're not. You're either a phony or not. And so it doesn't take but a couple of missions where you're going to find out whether this guy's legit or not with his faith. And when I find out that truly is what he believes in, and that is the pillar that he lives by through these tough times, okay, now I'll talk to him. Mm. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, one of our combat operations, I had to have a full con op presented to our commander was for me to go out and baptize five guys in the Tigris River. <laughs> wow, that is so cool. Walk us through that, would you, Mike? Describe that journey of those soldiers wanting to make that public proclamation of faith while in combat. Yeah, so back during that time, the particular location we were at outside of Baghdad, we were at a small cop or combat outpost, just a little tiny secure area right along the Tigris River. And as we're gearing up and checking comms and all this kind of stuff, chaps, what do you got? You know, throw us a little something, give us some spiritual encouragement, maybe a prayer or something like that. And so God opened up opportunities for deeper relationships through just those small touch points. And uh, man, over the course of that, it ended up being a 13-month deployment, but over the course of that time in that location, there were many that really began a personal 
relationship with the Lord. In other words, not a religion, but a relationship. I think there's a lot of people out there that would say, I'm a religious person. But there's a difference between someone who has said, you know what, I'm not looking for religion. I'm looking for really a relationship with uh, the one who is the source of truth and strength and peace in my life. And so five of those uh, airborne soldiers, paratroopers, you know, trusted Christ and, and made a profession of faith. And so baptism really is just a sign. It's a sign to tell everybody else, hey, I'm committing my life to the Lord. That doesn't mean I turn into some weirdo. You know, and veer off into you know that means I've got to wear a tie and I got to you got to be at a pulpit or something. No, it, it, what it means is I know where my faith is and that's where my stability is, and I believe in God's love for me and the ultimate sacrifice He made. So I I put my faith in that. Baptism is just an outward outward sign telling everybody that. And these like these five guys, it, well, it was out there. Like when you do a combat mission where you go outside of that secure environment and you've got an entire you know, force protection team, you can't hide the fact that you were one of the guys that just went out there you know, and got dunked in the Tigris River because of your faith. So, I mean, it was, it was billboard live. I am, you know, this is now my life of faith as a, as a warrior in the 82nd Airborne Division. So that's what it looked like. I mean, I did a, we put a little video together. I'd see if I could find that. We put a little video with some music and, you know, of us going outside the wire and, and getting set up, force protection set up there by the river. I had already done a scout mission the day before to find the exact location, making sure it was, a, you know, as safe as we could and where we were going to put up force protection, all that kind of stuff. And so, yeah, we went outside the gate and went to this location. We had to walk. I don't know, maybe uh, it wasn't far, one or two clicks, a couple thousand meters at max, and then set up. I mean, we just set it up. We set the whole security apparatus up. And then, yeah, we, and at first the guys are like, what does that mean, man? I got to take my gear off. Well, I don't know. If you want to get in the river with your full kit on, we can do that. I may have a hard time getting you back up, man. So we, the logistics of these guys, they pulled their kits off and, and set everything down. And I did too. I mean, so we pulled all of our stuff off and, got in that water while we had to trust our security that was around us to make that very bold perfect. Now, here's the interesting part is that my battalion commander went on that patrol with us, right? I mean, he went on, he was a, what a great commander to serve with man of faith himself. And he was like, Oh, absolutely. Chaplain. I'm on this trip with you. And, and he went out there and pulled security at a battalion commander pulling security while five of his uh, paratroopers, you know, are getting baptized in the Tigris river. So it was a special, Special memory for sure. That's something that, you know, you kind of put in the back of your memory bank and, you know, kind of take it as one of those super crazy but blessed moments, you know. What an amazing experience and memory to have that you were able to baptize those soldiers in the Tigris River. You talk about the importance of having the backup during the baptism. Can you share the importance of having backup through life and through life's challenges? You know, when, when you need help, what do you call? Well, state of Florida, you call for a 94. That's a backup. You know, send me a 94. You know, so it's back to one of my favorite passages of Scripture. You know, two are better than one, and a three-fold cord is not easily broken. So what do I do? I, I like to rip out a parachute cord, being an airborne, airborne paratrooper, right? <laughs> so I pull out a parachute cord. If you take a parachute cord and you 
you rip it open, there's seven strands inside that one piece of parachute cord. And all seven of those strands woven together have the tensile strength of 550 pounds. But it takes all seven of them wound together. So check this out. Take one of those seven and pull it apart. And you'll find there's three strands that are all wrapped up to make one of the seven that equal the 550 pounds. What's the point? I, my boots are wrapped up with 550 cord, parachute cord. So I got a constant reminder that, hey, Mike, you can't do this by yourself. And so I've got to have my brother to my left and my right. At the end of the day, that's what we fight for anyways. Man, I don't do what I do for a political reason. You know what I mean? And, and so whether you're on the streets in a patrol car, whether you're in street crimes and you're running street-level narcotics missions, whether you're, whether you're carrying a fire hose and you're on a, a ladder truck, whether you're an EMT guy showing up and saving lives at the point of impact on a highway crash, you got to have your brother, your sister, period, period. Same thing spiritually, you know, just because you're a believer, just because you're a chaplain, just because you're a church guy, whatever, guess what? We're still human. There's still struggles. All of us need that. And to have a spiritual brother or sister that I can lean on for the times that I need that support. And you say, yes, I love Jesus, but sometimes I blow it. But I got to get back up on my feet. And thanks to my brother or sister in Christ that came alongside me, man, I'm back in the fight. And carrying a scar with me, it's all good. I'm back in the fight. And the enemy, you better, you better stand down because there's nothing, there's nothing more dangerous than, than a guy with a healed scar that's back on the battlefield. That's a straight reference to some of my Green Beret brothers who got, who got jacked up with some IEDs and we're back on the next deployment with me doing damage to the enemy. So it's a spiritual reference as well as a very literal one. Brother, I love how you describe that with the emphasis on warriors overcoming the challenges in their life and staying in the fight spiritually and being a part of the greatest special operation in the history of the world to help free the oppressed, Luke 4.18. Yeah, you're exactly right. I love how you guys walking with warriors is very clear with you know, we are on the ultimate special operation. That's so true. And I think that doesn't mean it's, whoa, that's a mission that I, man, that takes, you know, this super unique training in order to be able to do it. This mission tops every mission out there from a spiritual standpoint. At the end of the day, who am I going to live for? Oh, by the way, what is my eternal security? What is that, you know, latched to? Well, it's latched to my relationship with my creator or commander. I believe God gives every individual certain gifts, certain talents. Some say a calling. For me, it's the warrior life. That's what he's called me to do. From, a, from the day in high school when I'm pinning goofy posters on my wall, you know, that mindset has never left. That's innately who God has made me to be. And you know what? You, you don't shy away from it. If that commander put this in me man how cool is it to keep just i will continue to do this till i die regardless of the uniform i'm in in one capacity or another serving the ultimate commander on the ultimate special operations mission love that mike thanks so much for spending this time with us you've shared several things really for the first time with our listeners and we're very grateful for that is there anything else you would share with warriors standing watch for all of us out there tonight yeah, so I, thanks. First, you know, thank you guys. This has been a neat experience just to kind of share this, and especially knowing, you know, the potential audience that's going to listen. You know, this is what I'd say to all of those in uniform, regardless of what it looks like. There is no more noble profession or higher calling than that of a warrior. 
And here's what I mean. You know, without you and I as warriors literally standing between evil and peace or between oppression and freedom, you know, without the warrior, I think civilization would cease to exist as we know it, right? Anarchy, terrorism, I think would it would cause mankind literally to destroy itself. I really think that. We as warriors, we stand in between those. So take pride in who you're called to be. Take pride in it. Be proud of who God has made you to be. Don't shy away from it or relegate it to, well, if I was only that. No, take pride to stand tall in who you are. Because here's the, at the essence of who we are, it's servants of other people, right? None of us are doing this for the... None of us are doing this for the little color things that we pin on a uniform. None of us are doing this for the, you know, for the accolades that we get from our uh, squad sergeant. That's not why we do this. And I remember when I was on midnight shift, I used to, I remember coming home early in the morning, you know, the shift would end. And as I'm driving home, people are waking up. And I had my uniform, it'd be all banged up from a bad arrest that got into a fight or whatever. And I remember looking going, these people that are waking up right now going to work have no idea what was just taking place right around the corner from their house. And every one of you who are listening right now, you're saying, yeah, and that's okay. That's why we do what we do. I don't got to tell them. They don't need to know. They don't need to know what just happened around the corner and what we prevented. And same thing with downrange. You come back from a deployment and you see civilians and I have people sometimes say, well, are you upset that on, you know, Veterans Day, Memorial Day, people are out barbecuing and grilling and having fun? No, absolutely not. They need to be doing that. I want them doing that because while I was over there, it was so that they could have that freedom back home and, and be who they are. So be proud of that is the first thing I'd say. Uh, take pride in who you are. But I'd say this, remember that the one who created you and I the way we are and called us to be a warrior, he's always got our back. He's always got our back. You know, he will never leave you. He will never abandon you. He knows and he understands those hidden wounds that our profession inherently brings. But when you trust in him, he's going to give you the strength to turn that wound into a healed scar and allow you to be back on the battlefield. And he's called you to be a warrior. He's called me to be a warrior. Let's stand strong together with each other. Hey, let's go fight. Let's go fight. Hey, hey that's all I got. Thanks. This has been super neat. Michael and Brent, keep doing what you're doing. Walking with Warriors, what a great ministry, not just in the practical support of what you're providing, but with that kingdom focus. You know what God is going, he already has, but he's going to use this ministry. Hey, just, I'm telling you, you better hold on because God, God's going to do some pretty awesome things through this. I know it. When you line up with the, what the creator commander wants with some practical real world stuff, man, some big, some big things are going to happen. So <laughs> God bless you guys. You've been listening to our friend Mike today. I hope you have enjoyed him as much as we have a true warrior and servant to the Lord and to our military and our community. He's worn many uniforms, but his favorite uniform by far is wearing his spiritual armor. And you can watch that video that Mike told us about of that Tigris River combat baptism on our website at www 
walkingwithwarriorsministry.org. Thank you so much for joining us. This is Walking with Warriors. Strength and honor.